And I'm always the one in the back yelling, you can change it, like try it. You might love it, but you can change it later if you stop liking it. Like that's really come through so many times where people start off in one direction and end up someplace else. Hello, and welcome to the Wake Up With Gratitude podcast, where we share tips, tricks, and hacks on how to practice gratitude daily. Whether you're a gratitude guru or you've lost your gratitude journal once again, we've got you covered. We share personal and authentic stories from our guests who are entrepreneurs, business professionals, parents, caregivers, and everyday human beings just like you and I. I'm your host, Julie Boyer, and I'm an intuitive business and health coach. And I'm here to inspire you to choose to wake up with gratitude every single day. Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. Today, I'm sharing a very special interview that's actually going to be in two parts. I had the honor of interviewing Nancy Davis Coe, the author of The Thank You Project, Cultivating Happiness One Letter of Gratitude at a Time. We had so much fun, not only talking about gratitude, but Nancy's also got an award-winning blog called Midlife Mixtape and a podcast of the same name. So we also enjoyed a great conversation about what midlife means, what it means to be part of Generation X, which I am as well. And then in part two, we get really into the whole book and the idea of gratitude letters. So I hope you'll stick around uh, to listen to both parts of this excellent episode with Nancy Davis Coe. Now, before we get into the podcast, I wanted to share another review left by the wonderful Dimple Aurora. She's actually got a brand new podcast launching very soon, so can't wait for that, Dimple. I'm excited to be part of the launch with you. And Dimple shares, Julie is someone who embodies self-love and kindness. She's the perfect person to be leading such an inspirational initiative. I had the pleasure of being on her podcast in the early days to speak about conscious parenting. Listening to her podcast always lights me up. Thank you so much, Dimple, for sharing your review uh, of the podcast. That means so much to me that you took that time. Friends, it's always wonderful to see your reviews of the podcast. If you can take just a couple of moments out of your day and pause right where you are in the podcast and leave me a review on whatever app you listen to, my podcast app will alert me that you shared it. And who knows, maybe I'll announce your review on a future episode of the podcast. I can't wait to dive into this interview with Nancy Davis Co. So let's get to it. Hello, and welcome to the Wake Up With Gratitude podcast. Today, I get to interview Nancy Davis Co. Uh, hello, my friend. Hi, Julie. Nice to meet you. Nice to see you. Oh, this is so exciting. Now, Nancy and I connected because she found me through my website and uh, said, you know, I've got this really great book. She's the author of a book. And if you're not watching the video, I'm holding it up. It's called The Thank You Project. Cultivating happiness, one gratitude letter at a, one letter of gratitude at a time. She's a writer. She's been featured in the Washington Post, Us Magazine, The Toast. She also has an award-winning blog called Midlife Mixtape and a podcast, 
which is for the years in between being hip and breaking a hip. Oh, Nancy, we just met. <laughs> and I feel like we've been friends for years. It's just such an honor and a joy to have you today on the podcast. So, uh, okay, can we just start for one second with, I wanted to start with midlife mixtape. Where does that come from? Because I know there's a really cool story there. Well, I had started blogging back like you started blogging in the, you know, covered wagon days of blogging. And I went through a series of horrible names for my blog because I could not figure out what I was going to write about. Or, you know, this is when I was a young, younger mom and just kind of writing and feeling my way into it. And it started to crystallized for me that I like to write about music, but I write, like to write about life and, and what it felt like to be an aging music fan and kind of being in this middle phase of life. And yeah, I just spitballed with a bunch of my writer friends and went back and forth with a thousand names and then midlife mixtape popped up in the conversation. And I was like, that's it. For the years between being hip and breaking one, because I was hip once, definitely I'm not now, but also haven't broken a hip yet. Although I think with the name of that I chose, I've, I have definitely um, resigned myself to the fact that I will break a hip. Like karma's going to get me. It's going to be my turn someday. But I always say, even if you suddenly become hip or break a hip, definitely still listen. You can, you can still be part of the conversation. <laughs> yes. That's self-fulfilling prophecy. Like right? you're saying that all the time. Yeah. Well, let's just, we'll make sure you stay healthy and happy. We're both at, I love if you, again, you're not seeing the video, don't worry. I'll put the link to the YouTube in there so you can catch us on video. Cause I think it's worth uh, checking us out, but we're both standing we're both have great energy, just feeling really excited about this time together. And I have to say, when I got your book, I basically devoured it. I, I thought I was going to like take my time, go through all the little chapters and everything. But what I love is that it's not just about the project, but you share some of the really great moments of your life through your stories. And I love a good storyteller and you are a great storyteller. So, you. you know, I don't know that we can go through the entire story of your life in a short podcast, but I'd love to hear a little bit about the time sort of between, you know, schooling. And I know you worked overseas for a while, which really intrigues me. So can you share a little bit of that with our listeners? I'd be happy to. I grew up very close to the Canadian border. So if I slip into my, my, you know, Canadian tinged accent talking to you, Julie, I'll feel proud. But uh, I grew up in Rochester, New York, and I was always very interested in languages and travel. So I went to college for international business and studied. I had the chance to study abroad in Vienna. I spoke German and uh, yeah, got a job right out of college in Munich. <clears throat> so that was my first job and went overseas for a couple of years, ended up coming back to get a master's degree and uh, the, the grad school of international business uh, is where I met my husband. So he's also a guy who loves to travel and learn languages and stuff. So I really thought I was going to be an international business person. That's what I did. That's what I was good at. And as I was approaching 40, I kept getting this tug. That's the only way I can explain it, that I wanted to be doing something more creative. And I kept remembering my AP English class back in, you know, the year of our Lord, 1983. And I loved writing then. And I lo I've always loved reading, but I was, you know, happy when I was doing writing for that class. So I thought I'll just take a writing class and see what happens. And that just one thing led to the next and starting about, you know, I guess 15 years ago now, um, 
I started writing for the San Francisco Chronicle. I live in Oakland in the Bay Area. So I've written for the Chronicle and other publications and it just kept building. And I realized I didn't, I didn't want to walk away from the business career completely, but at that point I had younger kids and I didn't want to travel anymore. I couldn't, I didn't like the idea of being away from my two daughters. So that was kind of a shift into mixing up both the corporate and the creative career. And I've been able to do that ever since, but it was a good lesson to me and something that comes up really frequently in my podcast, which is interviews with people who are Gen X and icons of Gen X. That's kind of how we, we, um, we, we, I look for guests talking about the good things about being at midlife. And one of the themes that comes out a lot is that you can, you can shift gears. You can change your career. And I think we put so much pressure on the young people in our lives as a society to figure out what you want to do. What's your major, you know, what's the job that you want and I'm always the one in the back yelling, you can change it, like try it. You might love it, but you can change it later if you stop liking it. Like that's really come through so many times where people start off in one direction and end up someplace else. And as you and I were talking about before we hit record, it's so interesting to me to have people look back and say, oh, that's why I did that thing. I Now I get it. In the moment, it felt like why am I at this job or getting this degree or how does this all connect? But I think it's one of the gifts of wisdom as you get older is that ability to find the common thread. And I look back, I still do some work in the corporate side, but one of the things that I realized is that I have approached my writing career as a business from the beginning. My writing is my product. What is my marketing plan? What is my strategy? You know, How do I differentiate? And if I hadn't spent 15 years just doing hardcore business work, I don't think I would have had that kind of structure and I wouldn't have made the advancements I did as quickly. Not that it was quick, believe me, it's been a while. But um, I, I do feel like there are parts of my writing that I approach with a with a real inform a sense of a business growth mindset and how do I you know what what's the product? How do I make myself more appealing to the to my audience? You bring up some really amazing little nuggets of wisdom in what you've just shared. And that whole thing of approaching your writing as a business, uh, it's interesting because I, like I said, I started blogging back in like 2008, but I never really understood how the blog could be a business or my writing could be a business. So I've always had another business and another career in nutrition, supplementation, well-being. That's you know another one of my passions and I love it. But I also get really lit up when I do writing and interviewing and podcasting and all of these things. And I, you know, you really hit kind of, I felt like I just had a light bulb moment when you said like, how are you treating this creative work? And are you treating it as a business? And I think that's a great question for a lot of creative people to ask themselves. Like, how does it fit into a business plan? It, I mean, it can be a hobby. That's fine, right? There's nothing wrong with having a hobby sure. of writing or like me, photography and all that. But if you're doing, like you said, a career change and totally, you know, wanting to go into something different, something that really makes your heart sing, then having a smart business plan uh, makes sense. So how did that transition work for you when you, you know, did you just leave your job and start writing or was it a gradual process? It was gradual, then it was abrupt, then it was gradual again. So okay. I mentioned, you know, coming up onto my 40th birthday and kind of feeling like I wanted to do something more creative. I started taking some writing classes and 
submitting a lot of essays that were rejected and then some of them would get picked up and that every every writer will tell you you get one acceptance and you're like oh my god this is better than cocaine not that I've ever had that but you know like it's the best <laughs> feeling so you try it with another one and so over time it seemed to me that I had a fuller and fuller pipeline of editorial clients people who I knew I could pitch to that would run my stuff. And my job at the time was kind of winding to its natural conclusion anyway. And so I was like, great, this is it. I'm going to, you know, my company was sold. I'm just going to be a writer for the, you know, that's, that's what I'll do. And I certainly was busy. I had plenty of work. What I didn't have was money coming in because writing and photography and most creative fields are notoriously low paying. And so it has nothing to do with the value of the work you're producing. It has to do with how the market values those things. And it was a lesson to me in the fact that I too like money. I like to be able to pay my bills. I like <laughs> to have some price tag attached to the work I put out in the world. And it was just frankly making, uh, you know, it just, I didn't, I didn't, I loved writing. I just didn't like worrying about my bank account. So at that point, I segued back into corporate work and I've done that ever since. And for me, it's a really good balance. I work part-time for a digital uh, publishing consultancy and I love it. And I also love the time that's left over where I get to do the writing and the podcasting. And I think those two things feed off each other because it's two different sets of skills for the most part. But I know that one of the things that I'm valued for at my day job is that I'm a good communicator. That comes from doing all the writing and the podcasting. And I've already talked about approaching the writing and the podcasting as a business and applying business skills to it. So for me, I feel lucky that I've found this kind of combination. I don't know that I would ever go all the way one way or the other again, because it kind of feeds both pieces. Um, but the abrupt thing was not fun. I mean, as a family, just as a family, right. you know, my husband and I met at going to the same graduate school. I felt like it was kind of a bait and switch. And I was like, oh, by the way, now I'm a writer. I don't <laughs> get benefits anymore. Good luck to you. Yeah. So um, it's much more harmonious to have us both helping pull the financial aid. Our kids are, my younger one is still in college, so the older one is out. But if you're paying for college, you know, you have to just accept the situation for what it is expensive. Yeah. This, good lessons though. Good life lessons. And I do want to mention, I think it's awesome that you're addressing Gen X because, you know, we're just like the forgotten generation. Like nobody talks about us. We don't make a lot of noise. You know, we generally keep to ourselves. So right. I like the fact that, you know, this whole work that you're doing is really around Gen X. And I appreciate that as one of this generation, because I feel like um, there is a lot of stuff to talk about when you're going through midlife and, dealing with all these different challenges and, and this, you know, this decision of, it's not so much a midlife crisis. It's like, okay, maybe I didn't make that decision uh, at the beginning for the best interest of me. And the other thing is, is I don't know about you, but I'm pretty sure I'm not the same person I was when I graduated from college, right? I've become a totally different person. Now, thankfully for me, I, my first husband and I, we did not work out. So he, he knew me, the one, the corporate girl, mm -hmm. um, when I met my partner, my now partner and husband, um, he already knew that I had my own business and he already knew that I was a creative, uh, and I was actually training for Ironman triathlon at the time for my third and last. Holy and smokes. We'll be right back to the podcast in just a few short moments. My friends, I have a gift for you. 
I created a beautiful gratitude meditation that you can download directly to your phone. What I love about this gratitude meditation is that it's a great way to start your day. And I encourage you to turn your phone on airplane mode before you go to sleep. And the nice thing about having a meditation that's downloaded to your phone is that you don't need to turn your phone off airplane mode before you start your day with gratitude. So to access this gratitude meditation, please visit bit.ly forward slash gratitude love letter. It's all one word and gratitude, love, and letter are all capitalized. So that's bit.ly forward slash gratitude love letter. As a bonus, I'll be sharing with you my weekly gratitude love letter into your inbox. It's something that will bring joy and happiness and of course, gratitude to your inbox every single week. That way you'll never miss another episode of the podcast. You'll hear about other podcasts and blogs and articles that I find interesting and want to share with you. And I also share some of my favorite photos that I've taken that week. So if we're not connected on social media, you'll get the best of wake up with gratitude in your inbox as well. All right, friends, let's get back into this episode of the podcast. So as I said, when we started dating, I said, listen, I just want to be clear with you, uh, between my business and my training, I don't have time to date. So you're either in this relationship or you're out. He's like, okay, I'm in. (laughs) And then four months later, after we started dating, we, um, I flew to Arizona for my triathlon and he came, he actually came to see me and he was not a traveler at all. This is only the second time he'd been on a plane. He got, he had an overnight delay on the way to Arizona, like all these things. Right. And so I love that about our story is that, you know, he already knew and he's been so supportive and I feel you like sometimes there are times when business is going really well and there's lots of money flowing in and other times where I feel like I'm producing and producing and the marketplace isn't responding to what I've put out. So that's, you mentioned something interesting actually about why you started your podcast. Um, Do you mind sharing that with everyone else? (laughs) Yes. And I mean, it comes down to this, this question of Gen X being undervalued. If you go back and listen to episode one of my podcast, I had written an essay that I read in that episode for, I've written, I wrote, I uh, had written it for a site called Tonight, which is T-U-E-N-I-G-H-T, which is a great site for Gen X women. And it was about why I thought Gen Xers were going to be particularly good at midlife. And it has to do with the fact that if the definition of happiness is the difference between expectation and reality, Gen X has always had low expectations because that's all we were dealt, right? I mean, we were the generation whose parents had the highest rates of divorce. We came out of college, there was a Gulf War going on, so companies weren't hiring. We finally got jobs, the stock market crashed. Like we got jobs again, there was the dot-com bust. And so every time that someone in the boom, the boomer generation ahead of us would have like achieved a milestone, it gotten a new title. They were like, ah, sorry, Gen X, back down the chutes and ladder. You got to go start at the beginning again. And so I think we're, we're very temperamentally practiced at dealing with disappointment, Mm. which is how midlife feels a lot of the time. You can't physically do the things you did before. You don't have as many avenues open to you as you did when you were a fresh-faced 22-year-old just getting out of school and you could do any job, you know, anything was open to you. And so that was kind of my thesis is I 
think we're cool because we're just like, whatever, more disappointment. I certainly know how to deal with that. And I've, and I think that has been true. It's been interesting to watch during the pandemic, you know, job loss, all these challenges that people have had to face. We, we know how to handle that. We've had to deal with that kind of, I mean, obviously not a pandemic, but we've had to deal with this kind of thing before too. So it's interesting to me to talk to people and I'm pretty expansive with my definition. In fact, I apologize in the first episode because I'm like, if you divide, if you think you're going to live till 90, which God bless you, I hope you do, but most of us won't, but pretend then zero through 30 would be youth. 30 through 60 is midlife, mm -hmm. 60 to 90 is the last the last third. Okay. And so you know anybody from 30 to 60 I think could could re could relate to what I talk about on the show. And I do ask people I don't you know I don't dwell on what's horrible but there are hard things, you know, I've lost my parents and I you know we you have big kids what do they say little kids little problems big kids big problems we you know it is hard to be in this sandwich generation where you're thinking about your kids, you're thinking about your, your older relatives at the same time, but people who, who I talked to on the show feel more confident. They feel like they know who they are and they know what they're not, who they're not, which is a helpful bit of information to have. You know, you don't keep crashing your head against the wall when you're never going to be, you know, that's just not a fit for you, whatever, you know, that avenue is. Um, I think people have a sense of legacy and purpose that helps them make some very interesting decisions around what they want to do. So sometimes I'm talking with people who have started foundations or have started charitable, you know, endeavors because they want to leave something behind them. And I think there is something about being in midlife that helps you focus in really on, on what's important. And we also just have a lot of fun. I mean, the first question that my icebreaker on my show was, what was your first concert and what were the circumstances? Uh -huh. Because I believe that is the great leveler. Everybody has a good story about their first concert. So it's, you know, it's it's kind of a chill conversation. And I get to talk to so many interesting people. And, you know, I just try to have a mix whenever I get pitched for people to be on, on the show. I say, it's like, it's like a, building a mixtape. I have to hear what's before and I have to know what's coming up and I might need that bridging interview. Like I have to kind of build it and it's just a labor of love for me. It's kind of my hobby on the side and I just, I just enjoy it. I feel very lucky to be connected to a lot of the people that I'm connected to through the show and, I, and the audience has been great. Uh, I'm excited. I'm going to go back and listen to episode one because often we don't catch the first episode of the podcast. Right. So that's great. I will definitely be downloading that uh, later today and listening. And you said something really interesting there, which is you figure out who you're not uh, in this age. So I'm 45, uh, you know, as the time of this recording. And one thing you and I were talking about is I thought I was an extrovert for like almost, you know, till I was at least 40, maybe longer. And I started realizing, I'm like, you know, it's super weird. Like when I go to a networking event, like it will take me a while to like, I, I don't always want to go in. And like, mm -hmm. I definitely don't want to go in late. Like I, if I'm late, I might not even go in. I have to like, if I was late, I would have to really like be okay that, you know, I could come in late. Sometimes I would just turn around and go back home, but in the event I'm good. I can meet people. I can have conversations and all that stuff. So I was like, well, of course I'm an extrovert. And then, you know, my husband, interestingly, he is a computer programmer. He's a gamer and he always has music on when he's doing mm -hmm. everything else or something in the background. I was like, no, like, no, it has to be silent 
I was like, okay, that's weird. Like I totally need silence. Okay. And I've needed that forever. And then I was like, you know, I really like to go to the beach by myself and recharge. So I've literally recently discovered that I was an introvert. I thought all this time that I was an extrovert. My best friend from high school, she's like, no, you're an extrovert. I was like, no mistake. So you were saying you had a similar sort of realization. Well, yes. I, I mean, I think the pandemic has changed us all. And I, and I did, I said to you that I am, I've worked from home for 20, how old is my youngest daughter? 20 years now. And so I am used to being home. The kids were either at school or away at college. My husband went into San Francisco every day for work. And I, they would come home and I'd be like, you know, I have to get offload everything that I thought today. And I always had a pretty active calendar of meeting this person for dinner or going to a concert. That was a big thing for me is going to a concert once a month. And of course, the pandemic put an end to all of that. Our kids were home. One of them's gone back to college, but the older daughter is still living with us and working, which has been great. But I'm like, oh my God, are they still here? Like they're still in my house. I can't get any quiet time. Not that anybody's really bothering me, but I, it turns out, you know, I do like my solitude. And the thing that is a bigger question is how do I, how much do I even want to go back to that concert once a month and, and meeting up with my friends? And that part, I think is going to be an adjustment for all of us. It's actually something I want to start talking to my podcast guests about because I think we're all nervous about going back out into the public sphere. I'm, I'm one vaccine in as of, um, you know, mid April, I'll be done with the second at the end of April. I know we're, it's there has been pretty, pretty fast, but even so, I don't know. I don't know you. I don't know if you got your vaccine yet. I don't want to stand next to you in a concert hall and concert going has been such an important part of my personality and who I consider myself to be for since I was 14, if I'm not ready to do that, what does that mean? And if I'm not ready to go out and hang out with my friends like I used to, what does that mean? So I think I I have a friend who just talked about the fact that we all took our time adjusting into pandemic lockdown, and we have to expect that it's going to take time to adjust back out of it. So maybe you and I are now introverts, but maybe it's just that we're we forgot like how to be out in the world. I I was in San Francisco last week for an appointment and I took an elevator down from the floor that I was on and had my mask on and the doors opened and there was a young couple standing there with masks and they said, can we get in with you? And I was like, I don't know. I don't know how we do this anymore. Like, shall I turn to the back? I don't know. We're yeah. all so awkward. So yeah. I think we have to give ourselves and each other some grace and just assume it's going to take a little bit for things to shake out once it's safe to do that. Exactly. And it's interesting because what I've learned though, is that I always thought introverts were like really quiet all the time. Like, so there isn't such a thing as a shy introvert, mm-hmm. but there's also an introvert that's more outgoing, but you're still an introvert in terms of how you need your quiet and your solitude and right. to recharge. Like I've been speaking in public since I was eight years old. So I like, it never occurred to me that I could be an introvert until I met a number of speakers who are like, no, I'm an introvert. And because I'm on stage, I'm actually by myself. Interesting. When you're on stage and the audience is here, you're technically, you're actually by yourself. There's technically a barrier between you and the audience. And um, I always like after speaking, 
I would crash like so mm-hmm. hard. And then I go to my hotel room and just like, I'm like, no, I I'm going to say, you know, I'm going to have dinner in my room. And I never really understood it was because I was just so overwhelmed with people that I needed right. to, there were so many, I can look back now and like pick up all these times where um, I needed to be alone. And so we were just talking about living with tenants and I was like, I don't know why I thought that would be okay. It's, it's been an interesting time, Nancy, talking about first concerts and all that, because I went through all my photo albums this past weekend. I had photo albums from high school, from my college days. And I was like, I wish I had been more self-aware during that time. You know, you mentioned now in your midlife that you become more self-aware. And I think I never should have been in residence. Like for my personality, like living with that many people in that much space was just, I had a terrible experience and it's just because it wasn't the right place for me. And so it's so interesting how, of course, we can look back now with the lens of saying, you know, this was not right at the time. But uh, I tell you, I I sometimes I'm working on my own daughter's 10 and I'm working on helping her be self-aware, like as she grows up instead of waiting until right. she's 40. <laughs> right. Well, I, you know, just to segue to some of the things I learned in writing my gratitude letters, oftentimes you can look back at those kinds of experiences and try to figure out what's the lesson, the good lesson that you took with you from that. And if all you learned was that you weren't made for, you know, group settings and congregate living, that's still a good thing to know. So I think that was one of the surprise outputs of my of my year writing my thank you letters is the ability to look at even negative things or things that I look back and wish were different and just say okay I can't go back and change them but what what was the good thing that came out of that because there's almost always a good thing not always but you wouldn't write a thank you letter to that entirely negative thing no which you do explain really well in the book and that's actually where I wanted to go to next was to talk about this project and this beautiful book which I just adored Okay, friends, that's part one of my interview with Nancy Davis Co. The second part drops uh, in two days, so that's on Thursday, June 3rd. If you're listening to it after that time, you can go right into that second episode. One of the things I love that she said in this episode was, in midlife, you figure out who you're not. So many great nuggets of wisdom, and we really enjoyed discussing the whole Gen X and midlife in this first episode. Now, as we move into the second episode, we're really going to focus on gratitude, the projects she did with her gratitude letters, and so many incredible lessons that she learned. So please join me for part two of my interview with Nancy Davis Cook. Thank you for listening right to the end of the podcast. I hope this episode inspired you to choose to practice gratitude in different ways than you might have before. If you're not already following the podcast on your favorite app, all you have to do is click on the check mark or plus sign under the Wake Up With Gratitude podcast name to make sure that you're alerted of all the new episodes. If you really enjoy this podcast and want others to hear about it, it would mean so much if you could leave a review on your favorite app. Your review can help others to find the podcast and start to join us in choosing to wake up with gratitude every single day.